Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to CBS Audio's Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran, and every week I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. My goal every week is simple, bring you something informative and something that will inspire the hell out of you. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome to the podcast and um, thank you for being here. Now, as we head into the month of May, I wanted to recognize that it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And today, we're going to talk about it. But before you think it's going to be one of those same old, predictable, 60-second conversations had on every network news channel, featuring some doctor who gives you advice that is honestly just common sense, we're going to take a slightly different approach. We'll start today's show with another look at mental health with one of the nation's top psychologists who's appeared on CNN, NBC, Vice. She's been published by Psychology Today and The Washington Post. And her new book challenges everything we know about the way mental health professionals are treating us and offers insight into the new ways to overcome the stress, the trauma, and the drama that have affected all of us in 2020. Shauna Doc Springer, best-selling author, frequently requested keynote speaker, and one of the world's leading experts on psychological trauma. Doc, how are you? I'm good, Phil. Good to be here with you. And I'm super glad you're here because we're talking about your newest book, Warrior. Let's start off talking about the book Warrior through a quote you gave in another interview. And uh, you said, we continually thank warriors for their service, yet treat them as though they are broken gear. We donate millions of dollars to support warriors, yet they tell me that they feel invisible, like ghosts passing unseen through a culture that is utterly 
alien to them. So understanding that that's kind of the angle of the book, share with me why this is not just another chicken soup for the warrior soul or, you know, how to get your head right for veterans. Why is this not just another psychology self-help book? Yeah, right. Thank you. Because it's not. um, Because I speak bluntly throughout the entire book about the challenges that all of us face, especially in the second edition, Phil. I wanted to take all of the insights about navigating trauma and help them apply to all of us because we've just come out of a year of trauma. And I've been doing a number of media interviews lately on the surge in mass violence events. And so right at this vulnerable time, we're coming out of this year of trauma and we're emerging, wanting to feel safe. And then we have further trauma stacked on top of it. So uh, there are many insights that are not what people think. Uh, not the standard way of seeing veterans, trauma, survival, uh, all of those things. And and that's really what the book is about. Share with me one kind of thing that we'd learn from the book that might be surprising coming from a psychologist and a psychiatrist. One of them is that the things that warriors see and do in war, if they're deployed, um, are not often the things that are the source of their trauma. For so many of them, it was uh, other traumas, whether, you know, in their early childhood or uh, a traumatic uh, divorce, loss of access to their children in the divorce was a huge risk factor for suicide. And yet, we focus on this narrative that, oh, it's the horrors of war that is the source of the trauma, and that's what we have to help people address when, in fact, we're missing uh, what is most central to times of crisis for so many people. Yeah, we just sort of throw that all in the category of like, oh, that's the hangover of war. Oh, that's because Iraq was so nasty. He was in Fallujah. When really part of it mm-hmm. might have, like you'd said, divorce in that one example, but part of it might have also been like, you know, he just didn't have a good job. He was unable to get plugged into mm-hmm. the workforce. The bills came due. His life didn't seem as meaningful because let's face it, uh, you know, not having a good job means whatever you're doing for a living sucks. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, every day. Uh, I could grind, you y- know. Yeah. So life could have just been gradually, step by step, day by day, month by month, post military, sucking more and more. And yet we want to say that all of his depression, all that example sadness derives from the combat experience. And that's amazing. You're saying as, you know, a clinician, nah, it ain't always all about the combat thing. It's about life and its totality. All the dents and dings that you run into in life can jack you up in a dozen different ways. Yeah. And especially when you come back into a culture that wants to displace all blame for human struggle onto the war. Um, A culture that is a me first, self-first culture that has a lot of, frankly, very shallow notions and values uh, that are very foreign to many who serve and learn to be part of a mission bigger than themselves. And I'll give you another example if you want to use this. Grief is something that I knew about before I came into my position at TAPS, but I learned a lot of things at TAPS that really helped me uh, develop a deeper understanding in grief. And real quick, for those not familiar with TAPS, it's the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And uh, for many family members, they intersect with that organization after the death of their loved one. 
during their time of service, it's oftentimes the first group that you meet after a loved one has been killed in action. One of the things that I knew um, before coming in was that warriors don't want to talk about their grief. They don't see that as something that they can get help with from healers. And that, that makes me really sad because they're carrying thousands of pounds of grief on their shoulders from their brothers and sisters lost to training accidents, to suicide, to combat deaths. Um, young people, they love like family, ripped out of the prime of their life. And it really came home for me when one of them said, you know, he had to go and be a pallbearer again for the fifth time in a single year. And I thought, wow, you know, before COVID, people had no idea what it was like to have that kind of grief at that volume and have it cut off where you can't be with your loved one or, or sort of like celebrate their passage and honor them. Um, but the warriors have that all the time and it almost never comes up in clinical sessions. So again, like the grief of knowing someone died, it doesn't always have to happen on the battlefield. But if somebody else was dealing with some crap, couldn't deal with it and decided to take the exit ramp, then that heavy toll displaces onto all their friends. And it's a very unnatural experience to be able to fathom that and keep that. Mm, Great observation, Doc. Love it. All right. uh, Now, in the book, Warrior, you also share what I can only call a 10-point manifesto. And it's things that the mental health industry needs to change, things that they need to do better, and ways they need to change the way they do business. Yeah, so thanks for that. I actually included the mental health care manifesto in the new edition of Warriors. And some of the points are, you know, that we really, we need to innovate like our lives depend on it, because I think they do. Um, This crisis of not addressing trauma symptoms in effective ways has left many Americans, including our veterans and first responders, but but many Americans feel like their PTSD diagnosis is a life sentence, that they will never feel better and that there's no effective treatment. And that's just not true. Uh, We know that a healed brain and an injured brain look different. We know that trauma has a biological impact on the body. And now there are new treatments that can uh, really address the biological uh, injury of trauma exposure. And when we combine these treatments with psychotherapy, it's incredible the kind of growth and recovery that is possible. What are you saying then? Because that seems kind of radical for a clinician to say. Like, it's not all about therapy in a chair. There are other modalities we need to be looking at combining with psychotherapy or with you know mental health therapy i mean what are we talking about like weed ketamine mdma uh hyperbaric oxygen chambers magnetic therapy i mean what are we talking about one of the other points in that manifesto is that if somebody else offers a treatment that you don't offer that can help your patient a healer gets your patient gets their patient that treatment so combining forces instead of saying this is my patient I own this patient and I'll take care of them. Thank you very much. Combining forces with other treatment providers and really treating medicine as a team sport is really what we need to be doing. I think it's not only um, that I believe that therapy is not always the answer, but I think if you do therapy with people who are in the wrong mind state, you actually could make the problem worse. 
So for years, you know, as a trauma therapist, I was using what I was told are the best practice methods. And you just kind of get somebody to walk and into that, that valley and face what they would rather avoid. And they get overrun by trauma and grief. And then you're supposed to sort of sit with them until the feelings subside. And I always felt kind of weird about that because I'd be sending my patients out to drive on the freeways when they were all jacked up. And I realized that if you're all jacked up like that, any of us, not just veterans, any of us, when you're overactivated like that, you can't even really take in insight. Same reason why you go to your cancer doctor and you bring a friend if you're going to get a diagnosis. Because everybody knows once you hear the words, I'm sorry, you have cancer, you don't hear anything else after that point. You bring a friend to, to write down what the next steps are. So I'm doing therapy like everybody else for years of people that are in the wrong mind state. And one of the big paradigm shifts I think we need to see is that if you use a biological treatment to lower the level of overactivation in the body, the therapy gets so much more traction. And that was a humbling realization that, you know, not therapy alone, but therapy in combination with the work that other docs bring to the table is really going to get patients their best outcomes. Wow. So much right there. I, I, I completely feel you on that. Like they're finishing their session and then they're driving home and they are all head spun trying to process the thing they just shared with you and the tears they just shed. And yeah, yeah. Anything you told them as far as advice out the window, like they never even heard it because they were mm -hmm. all just in that wave of emotion. Amazing. Uh, you said something else right there that I wanted to, you know, kind of touch on. And that is, you said biologics or biological elements. So mm -hmm. I'm hearing something kind of cool there that I cover on this show a lot. And that is, you know, we need to get away from the combat cocktail. We can't be loading people up with tons of pharmaceuticals to try to get right. But there are biological uh -huh. things. And that's where we've seen this with cannabis. We've seen this with medical marijuana, right? We've seen this with some people taking the psilocybin in mushrooms and uh, the MDMAs yeah. and the ketamines. Um, where are you on that as a clinician? I am open-minded to seeing how the research develops with those. I am uh, much more open-minded um, than I was 10 years ago about any of the medications, uh, agents, biological agents that you just mentioned. Um, and I wonder if times of crisis like this year of trauma is really what sets the stage for paradigm shifts and how we treat trauma. Because the urgency of the crisis, I think, fuels this kind of innovation. And uh, people kind of have to have an open mind when the problem is so bad, right? So take stellate ganglion block, for example. I had never heard of it five years ago. It's not a psychoactive medication. It's an anesthetic medication, which is injected in the uh, bundle of nerves in the neck. And it, it can, for many people, reset their fight-or-flight system to a state of calm. It's the same anesthetic medication that women get when they're getting epidurals in childbirth. And so it's, you know, quick, people are back on the job, back on the line. Um, it won't pop positive on a drug test. And we can get them efficiently taken care of in terms of their worst symptoms, but they still need to do the, the therapy because they have to change the thinking and behavior that maintains trauma. So the two in combination um, with each other are really what, what helps people. You know, ketamine's coming out um, maybe as a potential treatment for more of the depressive spectrum. So there are all these 
exciting new advances. And I think as long as it's not a wild west and people aren't just trying whatever they want, but we're engaging with these new treatments in a systematic, well-researched way, um, that we might have some really important advances in the next couple of years. Amazing to think that, like, it's not that the therapy, the behavioral cognitive therapy or the laying on the couch bare in your soul, it's not that that was wrong. It's just it doesn't work if you can't hear the words. And the way you can hear the words, you know, sometimes requires some other sort of element. Yeah. Cannabis or whether it's that stellate ganglion block you talked about, it's it's adding another layer to the treatment so that biochemically they can begin to hear it. You and I some months ago did an interview with Arturo Weber, a Marine that had the stellate ganglion block. So I talked to him about a week ago. You know, he's well over a year out from his procedure, got the one injection, did the work. He's, he's doing great. So he said something to me the other day that really um, solidified this concept for me. He said, SGB is the primer before the paint. SGB is the primer before the paint. So if you do the SGB and you get people calm in their own bodies, then you, you can do the work in a whole different way than you could. And you know what? I always think of him. In fact, please, you got to share with him. Um, I always kind of imitate him from our interview when I talk about stellate ganglion block to somebody because I say, hey, man, I knew this Marine and he told me about his experience and he was so paranoid and looking out the windows and he couldn't get right and he was all jacked up all the time. And I remember the way he described the moment after he had the SGB injection in his neck. You know, the nurse looked over at me and she was like looking at me and like I was smiling and she's like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, well, cause you're smiling. And he's like, not me, man. I don't <laughs> smile. I'm not just sitting there smiling. And he's like, and I was, I was just smiling for no reason. <laughs> I, yeah, that's good. I hope you I didn't like him. <laughs> I hope I did him justice there. <laughs> And she looked at me and literally goes, do you realize you're smiling right now? And I was just like, I don't just smile when I'm sitting here. You know, like, there's no way. But apparently, I was just smiling, laying in a bed, waking up from anesthesia to myself. I, I hate to say, like, be cliche and use a Disney movie, but I mean, it's a whole new world. It's weird. Now, what I think I like the most about what you just said is I can now go ahead and tell all your Marine brothers that you feel like a Disney princess. <laughs> I, spent, I spent all morning trying to figure out a better way to explain it. <laughs> it sounds so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to let you forget that, man. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. One of the unfortunate things is it's called the stellate ganglion block. Because it comes out of the anesthesiology tradition, but it's, it doesn't block anything. It opens, if anything, a whole range of positive and natural emotions for people to get access to that. So they can get access to their, um, to their minds in a different way and, and to their heart. It really does open them up. And I know that SGB is not the only medication. Um, as you said, people that have been promoting cannabis for many years or researchers in other areas are, are looking at some of these other promising options as well. Mm, well, I absolutely love it. And I know there's so much that we've barely scratched the surface of this book, but the book Warrior is out now. And it's a great read because we are going through this last year. We're coming out of a year now where so many people have experienced some trauma and some drama. 
And we need to figure out how to get right. And if it can work for the warfighter, I know it can work for absolutely everybody listening. But uh, please find the book Warrior, Doc Shauna Springer. You've worked with uh, the warfighters for years. And uh, I'm just so glad, so glad to talk to you. And I learn something new every single time we chat. Thanks, Phil. It's always great to come on. Real quick, where can I get more about the book? And where can I read more about you? Uh, The book is on Amazon through May 11th. It's uh, just $11 for the paperback. And... um, People can find me on my website, D-O-C-S-H-A-U-N-A-S-P-R-I-N-G-E-R.com. So DocShaunaSpringer.com is the website. DocShaunaSpringer.com. Always great to have you. I'll talk to you really soon. Thanks, Phil. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at PhilBriggsVet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show, because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C. And I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.